Today's video is brought to you again by a service that is truly in the world but not of it, and that is fide.email, which is everything that big tech is not. Fide.email is private, secure, and 100% Catholic. You should check it out. Visit fide.email. That's the website, not .com, but .email, and see for yourself. That's fide, F-I-D-E-I, -E the Latin word for faith. You know, there are very few stories that truly bring me joy to report, like those of notorious public heretics being disappointed that not everything is going quite as planned with their revolution in the church. I have one such story for you today, even if it is kind of minor, and it involves everyone's favorite charismatic heretic, who is one of the American voices for Francis and his program for changing the faith. And that would be Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church. Martin is famous for his bridge-building campaign to link the Catholic faith with those who identify themselves with a particular sin that the Bible says cries out to heaven for justice. His bridge-building campaign isn't a call to repentance for those who commit such sins. Rather, his bridge-building campaign is one to use public pressure to get the church to change her teachings on things the church cannot change, such as sins against the law of God and nature. That is our subject today, and Yes, it does bring me joy to tell you that he is disappointed because when a notorious public heretic is disappointed that their plans to change the faith aren't going quite as well as they'd hope, then at least there is some good news left in the world for me to talk about. Pastor Jimmy Martin, like all progressive Protestant ministers, wants the church to fall in line behind the whims of the secular world. In the Catholic Church, that generally means having the Church adopt the values of the secular world, usually only a decade or two behind the demands of the secular world itself. The secular leaders, for example, wanted the Church to accept the breaking of the nuptial sacrament in the 1980s and the 1990s, and their voices in the Church at that time were men like Cardinal Casper, who wanted the Church to accept that great evil. Now, having more or less accomplished that with Amoris Laetitia, the secular world wants the Church to accept that sin that has become synonymous with Pastor Jimmy Martin's name. Our story comes from Info Vaticana, which is definitely a friendly outlet to James Martin and his cause. And the story comes with this headline. James Martin complains that there are bishops in the U.S. who seem to oppose or at least not support the Holy Father. So there's this theory that we can call hyperpapalism, which says that basically everyone must just accept whatever a pope says. Under normal circumstances, that might actually be true, at least on important matters, because no one suspected of heresy would ever be sitting on the throne of Peter. But the problem is that hasn't really been the case since the late 1950s, when literally every single one of the popes have demonstrably said and done very questionable things on the faith and morals front since the late 1950s. What men like Pastor Jimmy Martin want the bishop to do is to stop counter-signaling Francis's errors, and just to get behind everything he's saying and doing 100% and become willing accomplices in building the ape of the Church of Catholic Prophecy. Let's check in with Pastor Jimmy Martin. From the article, quote, Regarding the situation of the Church in the United States, James Martin assures that, quote, there is a very clear division, although at times I wonder if it is less serious than it seems. That is, much of this rupture is seen on social media and among some Catholic leaders, both clerical and lay, but perhaps not so much on the ground. There are even some bishops who seem to oppose, or at least not support, the Holy Father. This, to me, is just amazing and incredible. I do not remember that St. John Paul II or Benedict XVI 
have been treated in this way by their critics. <laughs> that said, I don't think there is a risk of schism, Martin replied. End quote. And he's probably not wrong about the risk of schism, although we're in a state of de facto schism as it is. But his statement's hilarious. During Benedict's papacy, his mail was rather famously intercepted daily by Martin's brothers in the uh, Skittles cause, especially in regards to problems of a Ted McCarrick nature. It's truly breathtaking stuff from Martin to revise history that way. It doesn't occur to him that at the end of the day, the reason you didn't see such overt resistance to John Paul II and Benedict XVI from anyone other than traditionalists is because while well, those two popes did push the Vatican II program, hence why trads weren't their biggest fans, there was that underlying attempt to keep continuity going in the church from before Vatican II and after through the now largely discredited hermeneutic of continuity. With Francis, the mask has come off and they fully admit that what they are pushing is a new religion that was born at Vatican II. Maybe that's why there is such resistance to things now, especially since at least a few of the bishops have noticed that the synod on synodality is pushing some truly bizarre breaks from Catholic teaching, using the laity as the mechanism for promoting satanic change in the church. Martin knows this too, which is why his interviewer is asked about the synod on synodality, and his answer is frankly pretty revealing. What should the synod do, he is asked. Remember, as you... We Go over his brief answer, God is not the author of chaos or confusion, and God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. The faith does not change. Remember that because the modernists, like Francis, like Bishop Botzing of Germany, like Pastor Jimmy Martin, all say that the Spirit is guiding the Synod. They never really make clear what Spirit is supposed to be guiding the Synod. Presumably they want us to think it's the Holy Spirit, but once you see what Pastor Jimmy Martin wants of the Synod, that becomes kind of doubtful. Quote, It depends on what the Spirit wants. We need to hear the Spirit is active and alive in God's people. But more specifically, from initial reports from around the world and from the working document of the Synod itself, it seems that what is being raised is the need to listen to people who are on the margins of the church, not only the James Martin crowd, but also the poor women, divorced and remarried, and in general, those who may disagree with some aspect of church teaching. Can we hear their experiences of God? Can we allow the Spirit to challenge us, challenge us, and test us? <laughs> End quote. You know, the, the Spirit challenges us and, and tests us when we have problems with church teaching. I'm just throwing that out there. Those who disagree with some aspect of church need church teaching do need some outreach by the church. I actually agree with him on that. But what I want from the church is efforts to unabashedly teach and make clear what the church teaches and why it teaches what is being disagreed with. There is no courage in the church taking some easy route on these hard teachings, no virtue to be gained, no sanctity in taking the easy way. Nor is there any in ambiguously claiming that the church will accompany those who disagree with the church's teachings. You know, on d dialogue and accompaniment, they never really say where they're accompanying them, nor do they ever make clear what the point of dialogue is. They always make it sound like dialogue is meant to learn, that we're meant to learn something from other religious traditions that the church dialogues with. But, you know, that would actually be ridiculous because to even suggest that destroys the central claim the church makes, that it is the church founded by Jesus Christ on the rock of Peter, outside of which there is no salvation, and separate from Christ, there is no salvation. To dialogue with the purpose of learning destroys credibility of the church. That dialogue is a call to conversion, that would be a different story. But the church isn't in the conversion business anymore. 
Unless, of course, we're talking about eco-sins and being rigid. Then the church wants those guilty of those things to convert. Martin and his main allies pushing for change in the church may be disappointed. It does appear that Francis is diminishing expectations, though, on that front, at least on the synod on synodality front. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. My expectation is that Francis will issue a moderate-looking document out of the synod, moderate compared to what the Germans want and what most of the other bishops want. It'll have some radical nonsense in the footnotes that will be exploited by some of the fringe bishops to push radical ideas in their dioceses, and that people will debate ad nauseum over the contents once it's released in 2024, but on the surface it'll be more moderate than other options. But Francis is certainly trying to water down expectations when he says things like the following, as reported in a different article from Info Vaticana. Quote, let us not forget that the synodal path is the Holy Spirit. He is the leader of the synodal path. He is the protagonist. And the women in this dynamic go ahead with the pastors, although many times you do not feel valued and sometimes understood. You are available to listen, to meet, to dialogue, to carry out projects together, added the pontiff. In addition, the Pope affirmed that, quote, the synodal path is not to have answers and make decisions. No, the synodal path is to walk, listen, 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 and move on. The synodal path is not a parliament. The synodal path is not a collection of opinions. The synodal path is to listen to life under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, who is the protagonist of the synod. And you walk this way with renewed enthusiasm, women witnesses of the risen Lord. End quote. He was saying this to a group of nuns, by the way. But it's all about listening, which is just another way of saying dialogue. But I have to ask, what's the point? What's the point of all that listening and dialogue? In the real world, dialogue and listening is meant to get to some concrete action being taken. If that concrete action is a re-presenting of the church's teachings on those issues in an effort to evangelize and convert the world, then fine. I'll retract everything I said about the Synod on Synodality, but I sincerely doubt that it's going to happen that way. Since the last time that happened was when Benedict XVI spoke at Regensburg in the mid-2000s and was ostracized by the world for speaking the truth. For those who don't know what the Regensburg Address was, it was a public address given by Benedict XVI that may have been the most important papal speech on the world stage in the post-World War II period. At the very least, it was the most important act by a pope in the political realm after the Cold War. And for speaking the truth about the threat posed to civilization at that time, he was roundly decried by the secular forces who wanted nothing from the church but to keep quiet and stay out of the geopolitical affairs of the day. That was the last time, to my knowledge, that a reigning pontiff did anything truly brave. What do you think about this story? Are you relieved that Martin is sad? Does it make you feel good knowing that Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church isn't happy that the American bishops aren't 100% on board with Francis's revolution of hugs and dialogue in the church? Are you surprised that he listed as one of the things he wants to see the synod on synodality do is change the church's teaching or, well, he didn't say change the church's teaching, but address the church's teaching on a certain sin that we now just get, attach his name to. Let me know what you think of that in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.